to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast, where we discuss the earth, air, fire, water, and spirit elements of building a thriving, successful, creative business and life. I'm your host, Sarah, and today our guest on the podcast is my friend, Taylor Slango, and you're going to hear me introduce her and rave about her as we start this episode Taylor and I had a really lovely conversation in this episode about letting go, about death and rebirth, very literally, and then also, of course, metaphorically in your life and in your business and what it looks like to give yourself grace and compassion as you go through life, go through challenges, let things go and start over again and again and again. And I think it's a really beautiful conversation and very topical for this season. As I'm posting this, it is November 1st, the day after Samhain, the day of the dead. Um, it's that time of year. We're in Scorpio season. There is the the themes of death and rebirth and the phoenix rising from the ashes of sorting through the depths of your own emotional waters to see what emerges uh, new when you come back out. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. Taylor also has a free event coming up and the link for that free event is in the show notes. So you can click on that and join her event for free. I will be there and I'm very much looking forward to it. The other thing that I have coming up is that For the past four years, I've been running a group called Master Moon Collective. I shared an episode recently about my decision to close Master Moon Collective and to shift my focus in 2023, but one of the most beautiful things that came out of Master Moon Collective is the Master Moon Journal and Workbook, which is a year-long guided journal that really helps you integrate astrology and especially the the moving of the moon and tarot into your daily life and to use it as a jumping off point uh, for personal growth and exploration and for shadow work to give you a little you know, flashlight to point at the corners of where things might be hidden or where you might have some blind spots. The book is really special and it guides you through journaling every new and full moon, as well as the solstices and equinoxes for all of 2023. And for the first time ever, this book will now be available to everyone. I'm going to be releasing it to the public for Black Friday. So if you would like to get a copy of the Master Moon Journal for 2023, there's a wait list for that book. And that is also linked below in the show notes. That's the most important and exciting thing I want to share with you about what I have coming up. So if you would like some support in working through any blocks or difficulties that you have with letting go or starting over, using this journal is a really great uh, way to help you sort through some of your feelings and thoughts about stuff like that. So sign up using the link in the show notes for the waitlist for that book. And I can't wait to get it into your hands uh, for the new year. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. I'm 
so excited today. I'm, I always say that, but y'all, I really am. I'm so excited today because my friend and friend of the show, friend of the pod, friend of intuitive head coaching, friend of me, Taylor Flango <laughs> is here today. Taylor is the founder of Aligned and Ambitious, a brand that mentors female entrepreneurs in creating extraordinary businesses and unconventional lifestyles. Taylor's work combines creative marketing and playful strategies with embodiment and unconscious work to create long-lasting transformation for her clients. I also want to say that Taylor is... A marketing genius and a badass and somebody who, if you're not following her, you should follow her even really just to watch what she does and pay close attention because just following her is such a masterclass in how to show up and how to be yourself. And that's a lot of what we want to talk about today. And also Taylor and I met in 2018 when Taylor was just starting in her business and I was really finding myself in my business. I had started, but I hadn't like started, started. And we started in, a, in the same program together and um, watching her blow up over the years and the way that we've stayed in touch. From the very first time I saw Taylor and saw Taylor's marketing, I was impressed by her and inspired by her. And I was like, this woman is something special and has something special. And so much of it was just who she is and her confidence and the way she shares herself so authentically. And, and then I've watched her grow and I've literally watched her grow up and I've watched her become a mom. <laughs> and, you know, we were chatting before the show, to, uh, before we hit record and talking about where we started and what we want to talk to y'all about today is two things. One is allowing your, your customers, your audience to come along with you on a personal growth journey and the confidence it takes to be yourself and say what you want to say. And I'm so excited to talk with her about that today because I've gotten to watch her do that over the past four years and for the next four. So welcome, Taylor. Oh my gosh, what an intro. I'm so excited about this conversation and just bringing this conversation to light, you know? Yeah, it's needed. For sure. So... Tell us first a little bit, tell us about you, tell us about your business, tell us about how you got started. Yeah, I bounced all over the place early in my career. And I think that the confidence that we're going to talk about is something that I really spent my entire life building. I was someone who felt really insecure in middle school. I was someone who felt totally insecure and wanted to just fit in so desperately in high school. Same thing in college, but in my career, it felt like the one thing finally, like I had power over. And so I was like extremely selective about, you know, what I wanted to do with my life and the kind of lifestyle I wanted to have and like really creating that for myself. So I went to school for criminal justice and I ended up getting a job in investigations. I was like doing paperwork and bullshit like that. It sounds, ooh, investigations, but it was really boring. And that was my first and only corporate job. I lasted about three months before I was like, there's got to be something else. I'm not really sure what to do. I didn't have a backup plan or a backup job. And then I was like free floating. I was like, I'll figure it out. I was working at a gym. I almost bought a gym with my mom, which is just an insane like path that I could have went down. I was restoring furniture in my mom's garage. I was waitressing. I was bartending. I was doing some social media stuff. And I decided I would love to have a marketing career. I'd love to work from home. I know it's a good paying job. Like for whatever reasons, that's where I was gravitating towards. 
I didn't have any formal marketing experience, but what I had was a lot of confidence. And so I applied to this job knowing I was not qualified for it, but I studied the topic. And so I knew the language to use in the interview. And I got myself this job working in a digital marketing agency for online coaches. I had no idea what the online coaching industry was like, not a, not even a clue that this land existed. So I got into that job. I self-taught myself everything. I learned so much from that experience. I ended up getting promoted like seven times. I was with a company for years. And then I took that knowledge and started my own business. And that's kind of how I landed up here. But I like to, it's a little bit longer of a story, but I like to paint the picture because like five years ago, I had no idea what the fuck I was going to be doing. And now I have a million dollar business. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. And you bought a house. I bought a house, which was huge. Look, being able to become a homeowner as a young woman from your own business, like that is, it's such a huge accomplishment. And like, it was a game changer for me when I realized I could like become a homeowner through my own business. And it's, it's hard to be a homeowner in the United States in general. And so it's just such a huge a huge thing. And if y'all don't know, it's one of the things that scares a lot of people out of becoming a self-employed person. It's like the idea of like, how, how will I get a mortgage and health insurance? I think are two of the main like things that people are afraid of if they go into business for themselves that they won't, that like they won't be able to do. So it's just such a huge thing. And you're very, yeah, you're under 30 still, right? I am. I just turned 27 this year. Yeah. She's a young lady. So like that is a huge, it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And you live in New York, right? Oh yeah. On top of that. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And you know, it's funny that you say that because when I started in the space, I never was like, how am I going to get health insurance and a mortgage? Like those things were like, it's a given because we're going to be so successful doing what we love that like, we'll just pay all cash and fuck you. Like it wasn't even a thought to me. Yeah. Well, and that, I mean, I also have to say that's part of, I think some of the benefit of starting as young as you started, right? So you're 27 now, you started five years ago. For sure. You're 22. And I think the, like the health insurance mortgage thing is a concern of people who have had a job job for a long time. And they're thinking of transitioning out because there is a, um, a myth of security, because it's not actually true, but there's a myth right. of security that's peddled to us to keep us in employee mode. That's like jobs provide this type of security for you that you can't provide for yourself and that it's so much harder, which isn't actually true when you get out on your own. Like, but they do really feed you on this idea of like, well, how are you going to have health insurance? How are you going right. to take care of yourself? Like you'll, you'll be lost without us. They don't want us to find out that like, right. it's really not that hard. I grew up too with two self-employed parents and my mother-in-law is self-employed. And so I've just been exposed my whole life to people who have built just like unconventional careers. Amazing. Another thing that we always like to ask on this show, very important, your, um, your sun, moon and rising and your human design type and authority. Oh my gosh. Okay. You know what? I know I'm a generator sacral authority. I think we talked about that a while ago, right? Like yeah. Like you did your chart. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. you did too, actually. Yeah. I um, and now I'm put on the spot for Zodiac because I know that I am a cancer son and that's all I know. 
I'll pull, I'll do your chart again. We'll do the rest. (laughs) I looked it up recently, but like, I would be lying if I knew. Yeah. And like, so yeah, you're, you're a cancer right now as we're recording this, it's Scorpio season. So we're, we're in another water sign, big emotions right now, Scorpio new moon and Scorpio eclipse. Lots of people have been feeling big, big emotions and noticing old patterns popping back up, issues maybe they thought they were over or like coming back in new ways. Have you been experiencing any of that? For sure. I feel like, and I know we're going to talk about this in the show, but the whole year has been just pushing me to really expose myself and just really be seen and new levels of self-acceptance. And one of my clients does energy healing and energy work. And we were doing a reading and she was like, this is the last little bit and it's cleared and it's gone. But that is just something that for some reason I was trying to hold on to. You heard it here first, folks. Taylor starting an OnlyFans. That is not what you <laughs> Come subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's get right into it. I know that you shared a lot this year about how you had you had a little bit of a dark night of the soul this year. You went through like a personally hard time. And you made the conscious choice to pull back from your business a little bit. And you've been really transparent about a lot of the things that you've been going through and a lot of your journey. And also in a way that is so empowering, I think, for so many other people to witness. Um, And then, like, re-centered yourself rebranded in a lot of ways like came out swinging and like did a really beautiful amazing launch that like broke all the marketing rules that we're going to talk about (laughs) in a little bit um so yeah like how do you feel sharing with folks about you know kind of what this year has been for you and how you've navigated through it as a business owner yeah I mean so last year 2021 was like the first half of the year was like my highlight year the business was just absolutely booming. The profit was out of this world, the cash flow, like all the stars aligned. I, we had bought the house, like all new furniture. We both got new cars. I was pregnant. We had a beautiful birth team. I was going for like, you know, all of the luscious pregnant woman care, chiropractic, like I'm painting that picture to say it, it was a really high season. And then when I was about six months pregnant, my grandma died. And so that kind of knocked, you know, a lot of things out of whack. I was really, really close with her. And that's kind of one compartment that started me down the path of dying to come back, I guess we could say. I I really do feel like so many parts of me died. So I had my son a couple of months later. She passed in June. He was born in October. And I was just hit with severe postpartum depression. I, I wasn't prepared for it at all. And when I, I mean, I chose to scale back in my business, but it's because I I didn't really have another choice. I was like in a state where I, I could hardly even take care of myself. I was telling this story to someone else and they're like, oh, you could only take care of your baby. Right. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like my husband was really like the main provider for both of us and our dog. And he's such a rock, but I had no space to help to hold for anyone and coming from, you know, off of a year where it was just like so much fucking success, you know, beautiful clients filled masterminds filled private coaching, and then 
like being like, I can't support anybody and I don't know what to do with myself. I don't really know what to do with that. I had enough whereabouts to say, I'm not going to do it out of integrity because I know that I can't. So I'm not just going to push forward. I'm just going to sit in this and be in it and heal in it. And really, I had no idea how long I was going to be in there, like in that dark season of the night, but it was a good year and a half, to be honest with you. I want to I want to double click on one of the things that you said. I feel like there's a drop down in here for people to catch. Um, <laughs> you were holding a mastermind, private clients. You were supporting a lot of people and you knew you had to pause and out of integrity, you stepped back from your clients. So I want to first, I want everyone to hear that because that's huge and there are so many people out there who wouldn't do that for a number of reasons. Number one being a lot of people would just be scared to admit to their clients that they were struggling. They would get into like a, an image thing and feel like they couldn't. Um, like it would like damage their credibility to do so. And then because of that fear and unwillingness to speak their truth, um, they might serve poorly or keep people paying on contracts that they're not fulfilling and end up kind of making the situation a lot worse, damaging their reputation. Um, Taylor and I both know there are a lot of quote unquote coaches out here in this industry who sell high ticket programs, do not deliver and have people bound up in NDAs. So it happens a lot and people don't talk about yeah. it where they get, you know, ghosted on a contract with a mentor that does happen. And so leading from your integrity and knowing that you weren't willing to be that person is huge. And next I want to ask, like, how did you deliver that news to your clients and, and how was that for you and how did they respond? Luckily, because I don't know how I would have navigated those conversations at the time. I had my son in October. Um, I was running all of my programs were set to end in December, technically. So I was on maternity leave, October, November, coming back in December. And so a lot of the contracts were ending anyways. And so the first signal to me was actually, I had a few clients that had been working with me for years and they were just like, I'm feeling complete. I'm not going to resign. And I remember feeling relief. And that was like a big thing for me of like, why are you relieved that you don't have to resign and gear up for, you know, another, another cohort or whatever. So I ended up taking that and like feeling into my body of that exhale and running with that. And so I just completely pulled the launch. We just didn't enroll the program. If you guys know the brand, it's the profitable partnership. It's been a huge, huge income driver. It replaced my private work. I mean, like it's been our bread and butter. And I was just like, to operate it at the way that it needs to be operated, right? Like it's a very high level space. I, I couldn't do it then. And I also had a mastermind, the CEO mastermind, which I always usually enroll in January, which I was like, I, I just can't hold a group of women, you know? And so what I started to do is take some one-on-one -on -one clients and just like really focus on intimacy because I think that was grounding for me and refreshing for me, especially like just to have conversation with another adult about not my mental health, you know, for, for once, because I was seeing so many different therapists and support system and my own mentors that being able to connect in that way was really refreshing and revitalizing. So I worked with a few private clients and I would say about June of this year is when I really started to 
come back out of the woodwork and rebrand myself and rediscover myself and, and find that confidence again, because in that season, it was truly nowhere to be found. Another thing that you said that I think is really important is that your response to your own depression and your own like rough space was, I don't know how long I'm going to be in this. So I'm just going to give myself space to be in it. Yeah. And I think for a lot of us, there's this, like the feeling of, I don't know how long I'm going to be in this is like the next thing is, so I have to try to push to get out of it as quickly as possible. And that again, just like, there's so much stuff about like the way that we judge ourselves and the pressure we put mm-hmm. on ourselves. And like what I always like teach about in elemental entrepreneurship is like, now you've got two problems. <laughs> like you have the problem <laughs> you're dealing with and then you have the problem you're creating by the way you're treating yourself about the problem. And, you know, there's so many reasons for that. So many of us were parented that way and like we have internalized a lot of shame and a lot of pressure a lot of perfectionism a lot of judgment a lot of hyper independence like there's lots of reasons for it but because we're so frequently in a rush to get out of discomfort as quickly as possible and we put a bunch of pressure on ourselves we should ourselves like I should be over this I should be better I should be able to like I'm a coach I should be able to lead myself out of this like all of that stuff what do you think it is that made you so gracious with yourself about like this is the space I'm in and so I'm just gonna hang out I think part of it was like anyone who has experienced mental health before. And like, you know, in college I I had some anxiety and I was having panic attacks and I was on some medication and found other practices. Like I, I wouldn't say I've been someone like I have a really healthy mindset, right? That's how I've identified most of my life. The hormone drop after pregnancy paired with the grief of who I once was. I mean, I remember the the day after having my son being like, like, is this really what I want right now? And it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Like there was a little bit of like manic there. Right. Um, and so I wasn't even thinking about coming out of it at that place. Like, I was just like, this is, it's just consuming. Like I, I, I get speechless even talking about it because I think there's still so much to be processed through and I've grown through a lot of it, but it was just like, if I can take a shower today, like I've survived the day. So I wasn't like, how do I get back into my business and how do I move through this? And like, how do I lose the baby weight? Or like, you know, like I wasn't, I wasn't interested in any of the things that I knew were going to make me feel good. I was like bedridden and hospitalized after. And like, we had just a really bumpy road. So I think because of that, it was almost a distraction, you know? I think, you know, again, here, the way that you talk about this journey, like the journey of motherhood, and then also like big Scorpio vibes to be, you know, pregnant while you're losing a close family member, like it's Ugh. such a cycle. And um, there are, I think it's it's better now than it's probably been for a lot of history. But like all the things you're mentioning, like the amount of pressure on women birthing people to have everything be beautiful and everything be a miracle and your birth story be exactly the way that you planned it and to like immediately, you know, ha- quote unquote snap back, whatever that means. And yeah. like to like, you know, be like – 
it's one of two things or it's you know there's only a few models that are acceptable in general but like this idea of you know I'm right back in my business like I didn't miss a beat and I'm more inspired than ever and now I'm just doing it as a mom and there's just so much pressure well you know and I did believe that too because a lot of the moms I follow are like like million millionaire mom like million dollar mom like I became so inspired in it all like the femininity clicked into place and so I did have like a big vision and trust of like I might not snap back, but I know that I'll be able to navigate it and come out stronger. But unfortunately, like other things unfolded in the first half of this year that was just kind of like adding shit to the fire, you know, like, so I came back to work in January and I knew I didn't have the same income, but in February I joined a mastermind that cost almost $6,000 a month that like I just had no business joining for so many reasons because it wasn't from an empowered place. And then like you were saying the guilt and the shame of like, I should have known better. And what am I doing? And like, this doesn't feel supportive. And like, I got to get more intimate with my money again. And how am I going to make it an imposter syndrome? Like at one point I was really like, am I even a good coach? You know, like I've never fucking asked myself that question ever. And so even realizing these thoughts, these foreign thoughts, it's really disruptive and it puts things into perspective for you, I think. Yeah. And so as you started to move through it, how did you decide what to share because it's not like you know a lot of people ask me and I'm sure your clients ask you this too like what's too personal what's too much should I have a personal Instagram separate from my business Instagram that kind of stuff like how did you decide how and what to let your audience in on and and when it's my mind goes to such an interesting place with that question because I think for me it's always felt really natural to show a lot of my life on social media, like a lot of the good and the bad and the behind the scenes. And so when this season hit, it was actually like, I can't show up at all because I only know how to show up with all of me. So I don't even know how to self-select. And this is consuming me that if I didn't share it, what the fuck would I even be talking about? Um, and so I started to kind of reemerge. I think I did this in January or February or maybe it was even after, I don't know, at some point this year, I launched a masterclass called the multifaceted woman. And I just kind of like reemerged of like, you might have a season of your life where you've lost yourself and you're trying to find your new identity and find your own way. And, you know, like I was speaking from my place of like, maybe you're the primary provider in your home and maybe you have a family to provide for. Maybe you just don't know what the hell is next for you. So I was speaking a lot from that place and then once I started really healing and filling those wounds, I began to see it a lot clearer and I knew I could speak to it in a lot more embodied way from there. I think I was so in it at first that I was just exploring like, well, who am I as a mom and how does that look in business and how can women relate to that? And then in hindsight, it was like, what happens when life fucking takes a big ass dump on you? And what do you do in business when somebody dies? Like those are the conversations that were nowhere to be found when I really needed them. So I started to initiate them. Amazing. And 
I mean, let's, as much as you're willing to share, what do you do in business with someone, when someone dies? What do, what do you do when you feel like you fully lost yourself and you don't know how to, I think this is a big deal. You don't know how to be your brand anymore, right? Like, yeah. That's one of the big things about being a personal brand is you're like, I have built an audience on being, be, being visible, being myself, but that was an old version of myself. And right now I'm looking at my own Instagram being like, I, we, I don't know her. <laughs> I do not know that. Oh, and in the beginning of the year, my Instagram following of $10,000 or $10,000, 10,000 followers got hacked and hijacked. So like right. in the midst of this, I was building from the ground up on social media. Do you feel like in some ways that's a blessing because you got to start over or was it like, uh, I mean, I'm sure it would be fucking brutal and like very dysregulating to one day find you've lost your whole following, but like did starting from scratch in some ways feel like good? It was another one of those exhale moments. I didn't feel dysregulated at all. I had another friend who got hacked and she was like calling me and like, she's like, I'm going to find this like, you know person on the internet, the dark internet to like get my account back and blah, 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 and paid a few thousand dollars. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to like, let go and let God, like he can have this one and move along. And I think it was just symbolic of just the death and the rebirth. And it's safe to let go. It's safe to rebuild. And like this concept of loss or setbacks, it's just like another cycle repeating itself. I also think it's really important and really healthy to ask yourself all the time for all of us, no matter where you are in business, if I lost everything and had to start over today, what would I do? Because it keeps you sharp. And for sure. And A, it happens. But B, like if you have clients coming in new and they are starting from scratch today, you get to test those theories. Like um, my mentor was telling me recently, she was like, if I lost everything and I had to start my business from scratch today, I would start it on Gumroad. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Like, I have to go <laughs> really? look. I've kind of heard of it. I don't really fucking get it. I don't understand what a Substack is. Like, I don't know. Um, but so, like, yeah, like, there's something about. I heard. Uh, I know he's a somebody called Gary Vaynerchuk, the youth pastor of capitalism. And now I can't think of him as anything else. Like, he's so funny. But I love him. <laughs> I heard. I know me too. I heard Gary Vaynerchuk say, like, you know, like I would love it. Like in some ways, if I had to start from zero dollars and rebuild today, I would love it because there's a hunger you have when you're starting from scratch and a yeah. clarity and a like an excitement <laughs> that you don't have when you feel like you're kind of like sitting pretty at a million or 10 million or $10,000 mm. and you're like, ah, oh, like I'm, I've arrived. You, your, your level of like drive hunger and strategy is very different at zero than it is. Oh, at- so different. I'm so glad you said that because the word coming to my mind was hunger. Cause I've been in a lot of re- reflection of like, what was different in the beginning? I mean, there was just like this drive, this force, this like palpable confidence. I know it. I felt it. It was really in me and I, it didn't feel in me anymore. And so I was like, how do I create that five years later and infuse that into my business? And that really became my focus of loving the process so much that like the result is cool, but it's not the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so valuable to remember that all the time because we are all culturally, right? Like we're so destination focused all the time. We're And I, I think about this a lot and I bring up this, like the way that we are from education, right? So 
from the time we're in preschool, people are like, oh my gosh, you're going to go to kindergarten. You get to kindergarten. They're like, you're going to go to first grade. Yeah. Like, oh, you're going to go to middle school. And then you're going to go to high school. And then you're in high school. Everyone's, where are you going to go to college? When you're in college, everyone's like, what are you going to do? And then you get out and you're like, so this is just forever now? Now I just like do this? Like, what And that's I exactly like, how I felt. I yeah. I don't know. What, like where I've been trained my whole life to always be thinking about the next accomplishment and the next thing. Yeah. And then in business, there's also this pressure of like, okay, you got to get to 5k months and you got to get to 10k months and then you got to get to 20k months and then you have to build to a million dollars and then you want to build to like a seven figure business and then you want to build to an eight figure business. And it's like, there's this, um, expected trajectory of like nonstop growth that's spoken about like it's linear and that's not yeah. what it's like at all. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, you'd be surprised how many of my clients I'll talk to where they're like, I want to hit this goal. And I'm like, do you know, like financially what you need to sustain the business operationally and then what you need like to survive and then what you need to like live a, a nice lifestyle? Like, can we start there? And a lot of the times they're like, no, I just like want to make this money. You know, like we operate a business that does about 500 K a year. And for the longest time I hated myself because it wasn't a million. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, it's so ridiculous. It's really so, so ridiculous because if you look at, well, what does it cost to like live our life and be really comfortable and have all the things we have that and beyond. So like, what, what is it that you're chasing? And beyond that, what are you completely ignoring and neglecting that you worked so hard to create that's right in front of you? That just isn't enough. I mean, that is a toxic trap. And so much of what we want, we want because of how we think we're going to feel when we mm. have it, not because we really want it. We've attached this idea, this like, once I have this, then I'll be happy. Then I'll feel complete. Then I'll feel blah, blah, blah. And so many people, so many people can tell you, like, I reached my goal too early and went into a crushing depression, because I thought it was going to solve my life. And then I got yeah. there and I was like, wait, I'm still me. Like all of these problems are just still here, right? Like you hear it with weight loss. You hear it with um, yeah. with fame. You hear it with like, oh, I, I thought Dating. that once I hit this money goal that everything yeah. was going to be solved in my life. Right? It's really about like pinning an expectation on a destination that is not – those two things don't go together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes I even hear people in the DMs are like, it would just feel so good if I X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, how can you feel so good today? <laughs> like, let's reverse engineer that. Let's focus on feeling so good. Let's yeah. And see if that gets you to the goal or makes you realize the goal wasn't even the thing and that that's not right. really what you wanted. Well, and I feel like this was the big eye opener for me when my grandma died because like the money was there, but like I was a wreck, you know, like money didn't buy me any sort of like security or happiness or like fulfillment. And I just realized in that season, like none of it matters when this stuff comes up. Yeah. And I think that I went through a period pretty early on in us knowing each other because of some of the coaching experiences that that we both had where that pressure that growth pressure the the revenue growth pressure that was such a focus in our industry i was like wait a minute let me pull back and really think about 
what does success in my business mean? What does yeah. it look like to me? Because all of these metrics of success around me are someone else's. And based on the way that I see people who have million-dollar coaching businesses run their business, I don't want a business that looks like that. I'm not seeing yeah. anyone run a million-dollar coaching business that has the level of intimacy with their clients that I actually want and that serves the the audience that I want to serve. Because you can do it off of only serving. Like I have a friend who has a multi-million dollar coaching business, but his clients are all like, they're all executives and CEOs of like multi-million dollar companies and everyone who works with him pays him $50,000. And I was like, I could work with those people. I do not want to. They're not my people. Right. And so to serve who I want to serve, to have my business look the way that I wanted to at the time, I was like, do I want a business that looks like that? Do I want to run that business? Do I want a million dollar business if that's the business model for it? And I was like, oh wait, no, I, I don't, I actually don't want it. What I, what, what success feels like to me in my business is something fully different that has a different level of intimacy with a fully different audience. And so I can see how I can scale to a certain revenue picture with that. But this assumption that everyone has the same goal and that we should all want to hit the next milestone, then the next, then the next, and that all those milestones are financial. I was really grateful that I unplugged from that kind of early on because I was like, oh yeah, no one's doing this in a way that sounds attractive to me at all. I don't want that business. And just what an unrealistic expectation in general to think every month after month is going to get better and better and bigger and bigger in every year. Like, fluctuation is completely normal. And I think like removing the shame around that in and of itself is huge. And everyone has a different starting point. And I know I've talked about this on this show before, and I'm going to talk about it forever because I think everyone needs to hear it in my audience. From where I started financially in my life and my relationship with money, when I first hit, the first time in my life I was ever making enough just enough. Like I was like, oh, this was the number where I make double my living expenses, right? I make enough. I make my living expenses comfortably, like, and not like my bare minimum. It's okay if I never get my nails done. It's okay if I never get massages. I have no savings enough. Like my real living expenses and I'm putting money aside for taxes and the business is paying for the business. The first time I hit enough, Hmm. I panicked. Because I had never made enough money in my life and my nervous system didn't know how to handle enough. And I had all of this new shadow pop up that was like, I have to hoard everything and stop spending on my business because I don't know if this is sustainable. And my goal was to stay still until making enough money felt normal. Yeah. And not try to scale because I had very clear object lessons of people around me who were scaling too fast. They were flying too close to the sun. Yeah. And they were not okay. And their business was suffering. Their reputation was suffering. Their integrity was suffering. And so for me, the feeling of like, let me recognize that there's a huge level of personal development work that has to happen for me around my my money story and what how how I relate to just having money that yeah. I've never had before. I have to just stay here and deal with this because yeah. for my nervous system, making enough money felt unsafe. 
And so I had to just stay there and not try to push past that moment, not be in a rush to get out of it, not yes. be in a rush to hit the next milestone, actually just work on stabilizing there before I was like, okay, now I feel like it's okay to have a new goal where I can push a little bit, but I really want to wait until this feels okay before I do that. And most people struggle with that discernment. And that's what trips them up in general. Cause it's like, I did it. I got to do it again. I got to do it more. I got to do it faster. I got to flaunt it around. Ooh, I'm also going to package it up and sell it. Cause now I'm an, like, it just goes down this rabbit hole. And it's like, what just stops if you just take a pause and regulate through it? Yeah. I think something that you do so beautifully and that, um, we both talk about in our business in different ways, but it's still the same theme. It's just things being seasonal, right? And cyclical, which is a much more feminine, earth-based way to relate to yourself and to relate to business, right? Capitalism, the pace of capitalism and the pace of patriarchy, the pace of white supremacy is extractive, is inherently extractive. It's like, get as much as you can for putting in as little as possible. Everything has to be linear and we have to push and go and go all the time. You have to override your body. You have to override your nervous system, check your emotions at the door. And neither of us has ever been interested in that or lived (laughs) in that. And it's like the whole, I have to tell people this in business all the time because it's so sneaky because it's around us and it's the water we're swimming in. We think we don't want that, but then we put that pressure on ourselves in our own business. And I always have to remind myself and other people, like, if I wanted that, I just would get a job. Literally. <laughs> Literally. I want to be seasonal. I want to be slow. And I want to put my humanity and my physical body at the forefront of how I do everything. Yeah. And it's like a lot of us are practice or are preaching, like, take care of yourself first and then your business. But the amount of people that actually do that, especially on the hard days when you're in fight or flight and you're like, let me just, you know, show up on Instagram story. Let me just try to sell this thing. Let me just do this thing when your body's like, please begging you just to take a moment. It's, it's unparalleled. And there's a lot of it in, in the coaching space and particularly in the business coaching space for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is that a lot of business coaches are not coaches, um, right? They have like, you know, they're not coaches. They're not mentors. They are selling, this is what worked for me. And they're selling the image of their success and the image of their success and how much money they make is really their, their primary marketing point. And like, it's very seductive. And when people, When you're not making enough money and you think you have a money problem, that is very seductive marketing to see someone who's like, I can just show you how I'm going to make $30,000 a month and you can too. That's not necessarily the thing you want to look for in a coach, right? Like look for someone who's modeling, how do you be a human and run a business? And how do you coach yourself through hard seasons? And how do you navigate being a human being? And running a business as a team of one or just a couple when there's not a lot right. of people to rely on. All the strategy in the world <laughs> is not going to... A strategy is only as good as the nervous system of the body that has to execute the strategy. 
Take us to church. (laughs) Right? You can give me, like, do this. And if I'm like, I can barely, like you said, like, I can't take a shower today. I'm not going to do three reels a day. That strategy is not going to work for me. I had a client yesterday. She messaged me. The first message was like, yeah, I'm just like a little emotionally burnt out, still processing. The next was like, what do you think about this and this podcast and this idea? And I was like, I'm not answering any of your questions right now. Like all I heard from all of that, that you said was you're emotionally burnt out. Go take care of yourself and come back and ask a question tomorrow. Yeah. You're taking the day off. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but like it, it's, it's sneaky, like you said, because a lot of us have this awareness of like, oh, I am feeling a little fried. But then it's like that little fucking devil on your shoulder that's like, push through anyway, do it anyway. And it's just never going to work. Yeah. And the decisions you make when you're fried are not oh. the best decisions. <laughs> like, yeah, you have no access to even like logical thinking or your true desire or even like the quality of question you're going to ask from a dysregulated state is going to be completely different from you on a good day. Yeah. Yeah. So as you started to emerge and you started to share more of what you had been through, when did you start feeling like your, your usual Taylor level of like insane brilliance of like, Oh, I see what's next. I have new ideas for programs. I'm I'm coming out swinging. Where where did that start to come back for you? So earlier this year in March, we did a launch of one of my signature programs, which is Five Figure Flow, and that's been like a huge cornerstone stone for us. Um, we put about twelve thousand dollars behind ads. We had all the data for it to be a quarter of a million dollar launch, and. We sold like 30K, which is not a a failed launch by any means, but like we spent a lot in marketing and something wasn't hitting right. And I had this come to Jesus moment of like, this curriculum is so good, period. Like that's a complete sentence. And I don't really feel super excited to teach it anymore. And so there was like a conflict of like, but it still works if someone were to come into this program, like they're going to have a great launch. It's going to be epic. And I'm not completely embodied in that process anymore because I'm a mom and like, I'm figuring out this new balance. And so that didn't feel true for me. So a big part of unlearning this, like set it and forget it mentality, right? Like I had developed programs and funnels and like, then I was just going to like lay on the beach and like my programs and product suite was done, but I had to give myself permission to create new. And that didn't mean I was going to burn out. That didn't mean like I was going to be a creative drought. And so I started to just play with like, how simple can this be? And how easy can this be? And, And if I have an idea, how quickly and like effortlessly can I get it into the world without all of the barriers? Like this year we dropped sales pages. Like we dropped a lot of our free events. If I had an idea, I was talking about it on stories. My team was like behind the scenes, whipping up a payment link, like all barriers to entry just got dropped. And I'm like, this is just going to be really fun. It's going to be intuitive. It's going to be idea to sale, to market. And there's just no expectation. I don't have this big goal. It's not about this specific program taking off. I really just need to like find the conversations that I want to host again. And I find myself this year teaching with so much more depth. And I think the turning point for me was when I 
I realized I wasn't ever an imposter. It just didn't feel true what I used to teach. And so I had to bring my curriculum and conversations up to speed with who I am now. And once I allowed myself to do that, everything clicked into place. There's such a theme here about death, right? About death and rebirth. And it's very perfect for Scorpio season, right? Because that's what Scorpio is. It's the phoenix rising from the ashes. It's the going into your own depth so that you can reemerge. And it's lessons of like letting go and tying back to the idea of things being seasonal and cyclical. Yeah. Right? Like that's how that's how earth works, right? We go into winter, everything dies and it all comes back and it's new and there's new blossoms. Spring always comes back. Summer always comes back. In abundance. In abundance. And back on the cultural themes, we don't like death and we don't like aging. We don't like, right? Like we do not like it. For, for, for a culture that's simultaneously obsessed with linear growth, we really don't like aging or death. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Let, like letting go, the yeah. idea of like letting go and impermanence is something that that we're very uncomfortable with. And I think for so many of us, there's this fear. And as I'm saying it, I'm identifying it as a type of scarcity. If I let go, will there be nothing? I don't yeah. trust that if I let go, something else will come back. I don't trust, like, oh, it's winter and I do not trust that spring is coming. It's going to be winter forever now. Like, we we have a lot of difficulty trusting mm-hmm. that if we let go of something, there will be something else. Even if we can't see it, even if we don't know what it is, like, you're going to keep growing. You're going to keep, like, you're going to have new ideas. You're going to have new inspiration. (laughs) And I'm thinking about, like, working in the arts. So many artists that I know I went through this, like, will have this thing of, like, you have an idea, you make a show, you produce something new, and then there's this, like, huge crash after producing work where you're like, what if I never have another idea (laughs) What if I never make another dance ever again? What if that was it? Like, what if I just never write another play? I write another word. Like, what if that was my last idea? It's so funny that we all go through that fear of like, I'm not going to ever have another creative idea ever again if I let it go. I'm like, if I go on this creative rampage and just create all this new shit, then I'm going to be back where I started because then what? And it's like, I think also just focusing on what's in front of you is helpful because like, you don't need to worry about if you're going to be inspired in six months, like cry me a fucking river. You know, it sounds so ridiculous because there are some days where I'm like in the middle of the night, here's an idea. And the next day it's up for sale and it can happen in a few hours, you know? I want to touch on, on that because I know you have a marketing background and then also you do stuff so unconventionally. Like this last launch, you were selling three offers at a time and we're all taught, don't do that. Sell one thing at a time, use your audience. And, um, and so is it hard to sometimes like, are you, are you fighting against rules in your head or are you at a point where you're just like, fuck it, I do whatever I want and I know it's going to work? I totally was about six months ago where like old me was really fighting with new me of like, this is not how you were raised, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) you know better. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I could not take the boxes or the rules or just, um, 
like the lull, I found myself feeling like a lull. I would get, all of my friends were, were always like, Taylor, you are the weird one because you like get off on launching. And I never knew what to do in between launching. Cause I loved connecting in that way and showing up in that way. And I'm like, so what if I just do that all the time? And like, whatever's for sale at the time is going to be the thing I'm talking about. But like, I can always be playing in that energy and that's how I show up naturally, which is why my launches worked. Yeah. Yeah. And so as someone who is currently like breaking the rules, how's your audience responding to you launching three things at once? The feedback is actually the same because I've always, I've always gotten really great feedback from the community of like, you're really fun to watch because we just, we never really know what's coming or how you're going to do it or why you're going to do it. And I tend to kind of like, you know, pivot a lot. And I try to talk about that because I've never had a, campaign go perfectly according to plan, but it's like getting scrappy and creative and being really adaptable in the way that you're marketing and selling online, I think is huge. But lately people are just like, I want it to be like this for me too. And there's that unconscious that needs to catch up because there's so much resistance around it. Yeah. What do you think the resistance is? I mean, I think everything comes back to fear. I got certified this year in rapid resolution therapy training, and they were talking a lot about just the concept of fear being the root of everything, whether it's like fear of not being enough or fear of it not working or fear. I I hear this one a lot when it comes to selling multiple things. I'm afraid it's going to come off scattered. I'm afraid people are going to perceive I don't know what I'm doing. And there's like this frantic energy. And what we were talking about with fear is like it's mind's response to a perceived threat. And so a perceived threat could be a lion is chasing you or a perceived threat could be like, if I sell two things at once, what if nobody gets it and I don't make any money and I come across like a maniac? Well, your body is responding the same way, whether it's the lion or the ladder, right? And so a question that I got in the habit and I ask myself a lot when my triggers come up is like, is fear useful to me? And if I am not needing to flee quite literally for my life, it is not useful. It it totally rips away my access to my creativity, to my logic, to my problem solving, to my intuition, to all of these things. So I think a lot of the resistance is just a, a fear of something, it not being received well, how you're going to look, if it's going to land, if you're going to feel overwhelmed, if they're going to feel overwhelmed, I think you're just afraid. Yeah. So as you navigate through your own fears and your own cycles of death and rebirth in your own life, in your business, in <laughs> quite literally being online, since you like lost the <laughs> account and have to start all over, um, the confidence piece of, of mm. doing things your own way and of letting people watch you grow where do you, what do you feel like helps you find that confidence? I think it's, I go back to what I find valuable when I'm consuming content. And sometimes it is just exhausting to scroll and see like the same things and the high highs. And, you know, I'm cognizant. I work with so many female entrepreneurs. I know it is not rainbows and fairy tales all the time. And so 
I think finding confidence in, I know I'm not the only one that needs to hear this. And hopefully my hope is that if I'm starting these conversations with my people, they'll start these conversations with their people. And we can just normalize humanity a little bit in our very glamorous and very lovely and brilliant industry, but to ground ourselves a little bit more and to feel just a little bit freer. Yeah. Confidence is something I've been thinking about a lot because I'm going to use a dance analogy because it's my, that's my starting point. That's my world. <laughs> and in the dance world, if, if y'all don't know this, um, what I taught for almost 20 years before I had a coaching business, what I was really known for in my dance community, I taught creative process and choreography. And so it wasn't as much about technique as helping people find their own voice and have the confidence to create what they wanted to create, which is why my transition into coaching was really natural in a lot of ways, because doing that work, I taught creative process all over the world. And everywhere I went, I would get the same questions. I have a binder of them. I started doing a thing where I didn't go in with a lesson plan. I walked in and said, everyone take out a a slip of paper and write your questions about choreography anonymously and pass them up. And I have them from multiple countries. And everywhere I went, it was like, how do I know it's not boring? Can I really say what I want to say? Does anyone care? How do I not be derivative? Right. Like all, and I was like, none of this is about dance. Like you have no dance craft questions. Yes. Themes or repetition or motifs or, you know, rondos. Like you don't need any stagecraft. You don't fucking care. (laughs) All you need is like, am I allowed to be myself and let people watch me? Like that that is so profound. Everyone's question. And so many people would be technically stellar dancers, but they would look exactly like the handful of like the three or four most famous dancers in our scene had like a handful of just like knockoff dancers who were like, you are a technically very proficient replica of someone else. But the best Elvis impersonator in the world is still not Elvis. Yeah, you're still like you're watching this person and you're so drawn to them. And so you think if I can just do what they do, then I'll be as good as them. But you're not realizing that what you're attracted to is how much of themselves they're showing you. Yes, what you're attracted to is their is their creativity is their personality is them just showing you who they are and so if you replicate the result that's not going to get you there yeah you could try to replicate the formula and you'll get closer but like replicating the result is not going to get you there and I think we see the same thing in online businesses people look at other people and they're like fuck, I love their business. I love what they're doing. So let me copy their branding. Let me copy their marketing. Let me make my pictures look like their pictures. Let me try to like write their copy. Copying their result is not going to get you there. You could, again, like try to copy the formula. How does this person get their ideas? How do they write? How do they sit down to write? How do they express themselves? How do they feel comfortable? Where do they go for inspiration? You could look at some of that and that might get you closer. Right. And then like 
putting in the filter is, and is that true for me? And is that, do I still want that? Yeah. It's just not, you're, we are so attracted to confidence, but then we, we try to copy the wrong thing, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And what you're really attracted to is how comfortable that person is letting you see their creativity, letting you see their ideas, letting you see them be themselves. And that's what your audience is attracted to too. They're attracted to you being yourself, showing yourself. And so if you have this like wishy-washy, am I doing it right? Oh my God, is this okay? Do you like me energy? They feel it. A hundred percent. They feel it. Like, I had one of my clients, she's, she's so brilliant. She has a multi-million dollar business and she's like, I need an SOS call. And she, I called her on the phone and she's like, do you ever have days where you just question yourself? And I'm like, why is this so foreign? You know what I mean? Or like I had a client the other day and she was like, what if I say this and lose authority? It's like, are you showing up to be an authority? authority or like, are you showing up to create connection and be truthful to you and show your people what's possible? Because that's the biggest permission giver that you can show up and give your platform. Yeah. Are you showing up to be an authority is such a valuable, like, what are you showing up to be period? Yeah. It's a really valuable question. And maybe your people don't need an authority. Like, really, who does at this? Like, who, as an adult human in the world, needs one more authority? Right. Or like, even the credibility thing. If if I'm speaking on whatever I'm speaking on, and someone sees me as less credible, the likeliness that I would have actually wanted to work with somebody like that are extremely low. Right. Or. You would, and it would be a really contentious relationship where they'd constantly be questioning you, testing you, or like not listening <laughs> to your guidance. And you'd be like, this is miserable for both of us. Why are we here? You don't trust me. Right. And it just comes back to the trust in yourself. And that's what confidence is really about. And if you're looking to like work your confidence muscle, a lot of the times what I tell my clients is, Like, go speak on the thing that you don't want anybody to know, (laughs) like, and just see how that feels and get your nervous system ready for it. It's not going to feel comfortable or natural. So like, why don't we just regulate? Like you're saying you had, you, you felt your nervous system and you're like, okay, great. How do I normalize this? How do I anchor this in? So it's no longer an activation. And I think confidence is the same thing. Like when I started to talk about my mental health, even when I started to talk about like how openly I use um, cannabis online, like those were really stretchy, stretchy points for me, but they always created more of a connection. So like if you're in the middle of a launch and it's not going well, like I encourage you to go live and be like, my launch is fucking flopping. Let's talk about it. And I guarantee you're going to have like more visibility than ever before. Pretty much always whenever you make a post that's so vulnerable that you're like, I don't know if I should fucking share this. That's when you get the most. Oh God. Yeah. A hundred percent. The most DMs, the most thank yous, the most, I really needed to see someone speak on this. Like because vulnerability and human connection is still and always the number one currency, the number one thing we're reaching for, we're yearning for. Perfection is nice to look at, but it's not relatable. Yeah. It's not what people want. Like it's really not, it's really not. And 
back to that idea of like letting people see you grow and needing to be an authority, that is perfectionism. That is a sneaky form of, yeah. of fear, right? Because it's the, the fear deep down that if it's not whatever quote unquote perfect is, you're going to be, I always say all fears are fears of crap. Criticism, rejection, abandonment, <laughs> punishment. Which one is it? I'm going to be criticized. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be banished. I'm going to get in trouble, right? It has to be perfect, yeah. right? And that's, again, we all come by this shit honest, right? So maybe you had parents who like, if you got an A, they're like, why isn't it an A plus? Right. But so many of us have lots of, re- you know, I was severely bullied. Like fear of visibility was such a huge thing for me for yeah. so long because I have real experience, a real lived experience in my body of being visible, being physically dangerous mm. for me. Yes. And that's true for a lot of people. And the more marginalized identities you occupy, the more true it is for you still. It's not always the most comfortable, safe thing to be a human being in public on the internet. Um, (laughs) And so our perfectionism is something that's trying to mitigate risk for us, right? It's trying to show up and be like, oh, if if you say it exactly right, you won't get criticized. If your branding is exactly right, you won't risk failure, right? It's trying to protect us, but it's also like, Something that's erasing your humanity. Because again, your audience doesn't want you to be perfect. They want you to be a person that they can relate to. And, you know, I think a really powerful question to ask when you're in that state, and I feel like everyone I say this to laughs, but I think comedic relief like does something to the unconscious is like, am I going to die? Like, Mm -hmm. truthfully, am I going to die? Or like another one, if it's about money is like, am I going to get evicted? Like if, if those things are not true, like- exhale. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I I love the walkthrough of the worst case scenario. It's really important to me and I do it all the time. I do it with yes. myself. I do it with my friends. I'm like, okay, so what's the worst thing that could happen if we do this, right? Or like, if I have this difficult conversation and it goes really well, here are the options. And if I have this difficult conversation and the it's the worst it could be, what's the worst it could be? Right. Can I handle that? Right. So like if the worst case scenario is I have this launch and no one buys, what will I do? Like, let's just like, let's think it through. Let's give like, and not in a way of like, let's plan to fail. Right. But let's reassure your body that like, if even in the event, which it won't happen, but even in the event that the worst thing I could possibly imagine happens, will I be okay? Yes. Yes? Okay. Then like, maybe Mm, we're so afraid of disappointment. Like we have, we avoid disappointment at all costs. I talked to Gina, who's your client, right? Her yes, name. yes. Gina is uh, has an episode coming out on the pod, and Gina's a little older than us. She's a Gen Xer, and she was like, "That's a millennial problem. Gen X has got disappointment. We don't give a fuck. Disappointment <laughs> is our bread and butter." And I was like, "Gina, I love you." <laughs> she is like someone who totally models confidence. Ugh, she's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And I, yeah, she's, I was talking to her about pivoting and about trusting yourself to pivot. Yes. Oh, big pivots. Yes. All that like were so beautiful and graceful and exactly what she needed. So cool. All right. I know we've, we could talk forever and ever. I feel that way too. <laughs> um, we should make this more regular. I feel like there needs to be like a quarterly crossover episode. Oh, that would be so fun. <laughs> I'm so down. <laughs> 
So let's give a last little Taylor piece of advice. If you are going through a dark night of the soul, a difficult season, when you feel like who you were before is ending and you're not sure who you're going to become, what does Taylor want you to know? Mm. This is something my mom always told me growing up, and I think it's the best basic advice for anyone, but it's give yourself grace and space. Like give yourself space to navigate, space to heal, space to release and to process and to cry and to look at your shit, like really, really look at it and be with it. And amongst all of that, meet yourself with compassion because nothing lasts forever, good seasons or bad. So you're going to come into another season really soon. Sounds like you had emotionally intelligent parents, which is really lovely for you. <laughs> you know what? I mean it. I love that. I was like, I don't think my mom ever told me no shit like that. Um, so then the follow-up question, since we have a, an emotionally intelligent human being in front of us, because uh, I can hear the follow-up question. Okay, great. How do I be compassionate with myself? <laughs> what does that look like? You know, I think it's so much about acceptance. Like, we want something only has power over us when it's in the shadow, when it's in the dark. Right. And so if we're like suppressing feelings or suppressing thoughts or like, you know, that, that judgment comes across your mind, but you're like, I know better. And so you put this wall up and you just end up living in delusion. And so like, let yourself ugly cry and let yourself be pissed and feel rage and like go to like a a smash event and break some glass like actually let what's coming up in your body out and it's not going to hold you back any longer but I find that so many people are so afraid to let themselves get to that point because they're like what if I turn on that faucet and I can't turn it off but the faucet's going to run dry you're not a being that's full of shame and guilt and rage and sadness like you have some things to process through and release and you're the only one that can let yourself fully do that Mm, so beautiful thank you so much (laughs) for being with us I guess one thing I'll share to add on to that about acceptance, the flip side of that is resistance. And resistance is what's creating, a lot of the time, is what's creating our suffering. And in my hardest moments, one of the most profound and important lessons for me and one of the most important practices I've been through is accepting what is and just running down facts because so often we're not responding to facts. We're responding to stories in our head about the facts. And so when I've been thinking about things like a really hard one, like my last really terrible breakup, when I would find myself in my most painful moments, they were because I was resisting what what is. I was trying to find a way to make it not be true. I was trying to argue or barter or think about ways that I could like – you know, make the situation be different. And when I would just be like, oh, I'm resisting what is, let me run down the facts. Like, we are not a good match. We are no longer together. This is no longer what works for either of us. This is not a healthy connection. Here are the things that have happened. And I would just bring myself back to what is. And in the moment where Mm -hmm. I can bring myself back to what is 
I would feel my body relax. I'd feel my mind relax. And I'd be like, okay, that's just what is. There's no changing it. I don't have to fight it. This is just what is. And at the height of that, I remember doing that like once every 15 minutes. Like I just have to, uh, like, like, bring back to what is, just bring myself back to what is. Just yeah. don't resist what's true and let it be true and just sit with, okay, this is the truth of the situation and don't try to fight that. Yeah. That's what gave me the space over time, what always gives me the space over time to be like, okay, based on these facts, what can I do next? Yeah. And even, you know, like this week I had an animal in the hospital and it was a very, it was a fast turnaround from like full panic in my body. Oh no, this money I'm going to have to spend and it's going to be hard and da, 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 da. And like really quickly I was like, this is just what is, this is what's happening right now. Here are the facts, Right. Here's what it's going to cost. I will make that back. Everything is okay. (laughs) Right? Like when we can just get very sober with ourselves about bringing ourselves back to the truth of what is and nothing else versus being in the story, being in the resistance, being in the trying to negotiate, barter, fight. It's so much easier. And try to surround yourself with people who have access to that clarity. Because if you're in the dark night, like it's dark and you can't see clearly. So that's like a friend or a mentor or a partner or whoever that is, like make sure that you're in proximity with some sort of support system that can remind you of what your reality is and who you are. That's really important too. Yeah. Double check if you're not sure. Is my perception of what is true? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a valuable one. For sure. Thank you so much for being here, Taylor. Where can people find you? Where can people follow your growth on the internet? Yes. Find me on Instagram. I'm still building that baby back up, but I'm at Taylor Slango on Instagram. And I have a podcast as well, Aligned and Ambitious Radio, which is on all the platforms. Amazing. And what are you promoting right now? Is there anything you want people to know about? Ooh, well, right now, actually just yesterday, we opened up a free event called Project Breakthrough, and it is a growth planning session for 2023. And I've always done sales planning sessions in the past, but this is very unconventional. So if you're looking to set yourself up for some fun next year, that would be a good place to plug in. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. It's an honor always to talk with you. You are so wise and so special, and I love being part of your business growth journey. So, thank oh, you we could have talked for honestly hours. Thank you so much for having me. I mean it. We're going to do it again. I think everyone's going to really get a lot out of this episode. So, thank you yes. so much. Thank you. Thanks for being here, everybody. We'll see you next time. That's our episode for today. Thank you as always for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time, so many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at Intuitive Edge Coaching or join my Facebook group, Unstuck Group, to suggest topics or people that you'd like to hear me interview on this show. Have a great day.